Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Heva, and I don't know. (laughs) I don't even know what to say. Yo, I have a crazy story. Last night, I'm eating dinner, right? Just chomping away. It's very early into my dinner, so I'm just like eating basically a bunch of leafy greens. That's it. And all of a sudden, I feel something really crunchy, really earthy, really... um, I have to chew it a lot. And I was like, that's weird because I'm really just having a bunch of like leafy greens. Like what in the world is so hard and chewy? Not chewy. That's not the right word. Hard. Like like a stone, like a like a little stone, like I was chewing a stone. And I was like, that's weird. And I was like, maybe I didn't wash my greens that well. Because when you buy like directly from the farmer's market, sometimes there's a lot of like earth on it, like a lot of like sand, earthy things. I don't know. And so I was like, okay, like maybe I, there's still dirt and stuff. And that's what I chewed. And then after I swallowed, I like, I don't know why, like what prompted it. It was like, something feels weird in my mouth. And I run my tongue and I was like, wait, why does my tooth feel so sharp? And then I, like, it's my very last tooth on the top, on the right or on the left. (laughs) Don't know which side is which side. No big deal. Um, so I run my tongue along it and I swallowed part of my tooth. Like part of my tooth came out of where the tooth is. I chewed it and then I swallowed it. So like, I don't know, maybe I'm low-key a cannibal now. I don't know. Anyway, moving right along. Um, I have two DMs I want to get into. Number one, um, I got a question last week about sugar substitutes. So like zero calorie sugar substitutes, right? And, um, like how healthy are they? Yada, yada. What I think about them. So in general, I have kind of a negative view about sugar alcohols, um, and I can explain why. Now, the worst are like the aspartames and the sucralose, right? Like those I think we all understand are like not good for you. Studies show they're linked to um, increased migraines, depression, IBS, weight gain, you name it, you know, not great things. Now, the best in the zero-calorie sweeteners are the more natural ones like stevia, or I think it's technically pronounced stevia, but like everyone calls it stevia. So I'm going to call it stevia and, um, monk fruit. Those are derived from actual plants. Stevia is a plant. Monk fruit is a fruit. Um, I don't know about stevia specifically why it ends up being zero calorie, but my understanding with monk fruit is that we can't digest 
the like glucose in monk fruit. So it ends up being zero calorie for us. I used to use a lot of monk fruit. There was a brand specifically that I used that I actually thought like tasted really, really good and didn't have that like sickening sweet flavor that a lot of sugar substitutes have. Um, and it used erythritol in it too. Now erythritol is a type of sugar alcohol. That's like a whole category of sugars that we have sugar alcohols and they tend to be zero calorie also. Erythritol is like probably the one that we know about the most. And um, you'll see it in a lot of low carb products, like a lot of keto friendly types of products. You'll see it blended with stevia or the monk fruit because um, I don't know, it just like makes the texture and the flavor and things like that better and like closer to what we experience as like quote unquote, real sugar. So I said, I used to use this a lot. Um, I no longer do. I'll get into my experience, but basically erythritol in the past few years, there've been studies that show that it's like really, really, really bad for gut health. There's a lot of like anecdotal stories of people saying that it causes like severe bloating and like intestinal distress and things like that. Um, there is a like more recent study on erythritol and heart health and found that um, erythritol increases the likelihood or the occurrence, I can't remember which of the two, of cardiac events by two to three fold, which is dramatic. Now, um, it's not like a very controlled study. And there are other studies that don't really show increased cardiac events. It also really depends on how much you're ingesting. Um, the gut health thing I do hear quite a bit. Um, here's my experience. So, I mean, like back in the day before I was like ever on a health and wellness journey, I used to use like a fuck ton of Splenda, which is like sucralose. I used to do all those things, right? Because I was always like just kind of obsessed with wanting to be thinner and like look my best and shit like that. So I do have a ton of experience with things like that. Um, and then once I kind of got on my health kick, like once I, you know, was vegan, all those things, I was using that product that was like monk fruit with erythritol. And, you know, it's it's fun to be able to sweeten things with zero calories. I, I guess I just like intuitively always felt weird about it because like it kind of like felt too good to be true. Like it kind of felt like this shouldn't be right, right? And so I decided it was like maybe the very beginning or like right before we went into lockdown. I was like, uh, I'm going to stop using this product. And I saw drastic improvements in my health. Um, number one, my gut wouldn't distend the way that it used to after meals. Number two, and this is the biggest thing, it really, really helped with my binge eating. And this is my theory. I don't, I don't know how much like scientific backing there is for this theory. This is just my theory. But I think that when you, like when you, this, okay, this part of it is actually scientifically backed. But as soon as you put something sweet in your mouth, you start digesting it. Like that starts the digestion process. Like our sense of taste is a very important part of our digestive process. And so my theory is that when you taste something sweet, your body prepares for the calories 
of something sweet. And when you're getting none of those actual calories, like none of that actual glucose ingested, I, again, this is my theory. I think something happens with your brain where it's just like, where are those calories? Where are those calories? Give me those calories. And I think it can cause binge eating. That was my personal experience. I, I don't know how you could like scientifically prove this. So like, I don't know if that's accurate, but every single person I've talked to who like stopped using those like zero calorie sugar sweet uh zero calorie sugar substitutes felt better in moderation is it probably fine yeah i mean it's probably in moderation fine if you have aspartame or sucralose it's not like you have like one diet coke and you die you know what i mean like in moderation it's probably fine but if you're interested in these sugar substitutes like i would really look long and hard as to why because like i get it listen like i get it like what's better than being able to eat and have like virtually no calories, right? But like, I don't think we as human beings are meant to eat foods from plastic packaging. Like I just like, we're meant to be eating real whole foods. So like my advice with anything nutrition always is lean into whole foods. Food is medicine. Like using a medjool date as a sweetener, which you can blend up beautifully, and it can sweeten pretty much anything that you want. Like I use dates, raisins, and other whole fruits as sugar substitutes. Now, the reason I do that is because they come with the fiber. Anything that you eat that's sweet is fine so long as it comes in that whole food form, so long as it's still tied to that fiber source because that fiber source will make it so that it ingests slower into your bloodstream. The reason sugar is so bad for you, like a refined sugar, is because it's no longer tied to that fiber source. And so it causes insulin spikes and crashes. It causes problems in your bloodstream. But when it's a whole food source, like a whole medjool date, like a whole orange, like a whole apple, like a whole whatever the fuck, then it's still tied to that fiber source that will slow its digestion into your bloodstream. So I like if you're looking for like substitutes, and I know last week I talked a lot about or whatever, two weeks. So I don't know, at some point I talked a lot about how like the coconut sugars, the maple syrups, like they're not actually better alternatives for you. The reason they're not better alternatives for you is because those also are not whole foods. They're refined, like cane sugar. Have you ever seen a cane plant? It's this long, um, kind of like thick stem. I don't know how else to describe it. It is packed with fiber. Like there are fibers that you can visibly see. Think like, um, have you ever grated like a ginger root? You know how there are those like long, thin fibers in it that sometimes make it hard to grate. Sugarcane is filled with those fibers. If you were to just munch on sugarcane, those intense fibers would severely delay the amount that the sweetness is digesting into your system. In fact, I don't even know if you can eat whole sugar cane because those fibers are so severe. 
but we're taking the sweetness and extracting it out and leaving those fibers behind. That's why it's so problematic. But when you use a whole fruit, when you just bite into an apple, you're eating the skin, you're eating the flesh. I'll make sure you buy organic apples um, if you're eating the skin so you don't have like pesticide residue, but that's neither here nor there. Those things are slowing the digestion of the sugars into your system, which make it so much healthier. So yeah, long story short, my advice always is to just use whole foods. Now, once in a while you want to treat, you want to, you know, you want to buy like a cold pressed juice. You want to just like eat a fucking like chocolate croissant or like what, (laughs) how douchey of me is it to pronounce croissant like that? I get it. I see it. I'm self-aware. I know, um, whatever. Um, but like once in a while you want to eat like some kind of dessert, you want to eat something that's made with like any fucking kind of sugar, by all means go off. You want to have a diet Coke by all means go off. But like, as far as just strictly from a health perspective, I don't think we can for sure say yet that these zero calorie sugar substitutes are like literally killing us. And again, in moderation, in moderation, everything is fine. And in maximation, (laughs) most things are probably problematic, you know, that's what it comes down to. But like, I really would avoid them. And the biggest reason why I would avoid them is because I think it's pointing at a deeper thing. Like if you like, I mean, if you're just unaware, that's one thing. But I know when I was seeking them out, I was aware that like using dates would be like a healthier alternative. I was aware of that. I just didn't want to because I didn't want the calories. And I think like be really honest with yourself. If it's coming from like a place of like aesthetics, if it's coming from a place of like, I don't want those calories, I would dig deeper because there might be something else going on there. And then I can tell you with my experience, I would end up consuming way more calories because like really my brain was just seeking to replenish like what it thought it was about to get. So it really did lead to a lot of overeating for me. So that's just my two cents for that. I I do really strongly advise against it. And like with sugar alcohols, I think like the use is so new that we don't have a ton of studies, but I think as more and more studies come out, I think we're going to find more and more harmful effects. That's just that's just my hypothesis. I don't know. Um, the other thing that was in the quote unquote DMs unplugged new segment, um, thank you ChatGBT for that name, um, was questions about like apple cider vinegar. And I believe this person was asking about like this thing of like taking like a shot or a tablespoon or whatever of apple cider vinegar before meals. Um, there's been shit about apple cider vinegar for many, many years now, like well over a decade. You know, people taking it like in the morning, people taking it before meals, people taking it after meals, people taking it before bed, whatever the fuck. I remember um, Megan Fox did this like interview like so many fucking years ago. And she's like, oh, the reason I stay so, stay so skinny is because I um, take apple cider vinegar shots before meals or some shit. I don't know. Do I think it'll make you lose weight? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, it's been heralded as like improving digestion, uh, eating bowel movements, blood, blood sugar benefits, weight loss, freshen breath, detoxify, whatever the fuck. Um, 
Do I think it's necessarily doing something? It's hard to say. The only real scientific proof we have is before eating a very high carbohydrate carbohydrate meal, it can improve insulin sensitivity in people who are insulin resistant or have type 2 diabetes. So not in like the average person, only people who are actually dealing with those ailments. Um, now, I will say sometimes it takes science time to catch up to things, right? Like look at like things that indigenous cultures have been doing. Usually, eventually science can actually prove that there are benefits to these things, but the science hasn't actually caught up yet, right? Isn't that all of like medical mediums thing? He's like, whatever universe source, whatever started channeling messages to me because science hasn't caught up fast enough yet. There is that very real thing that like maybe there are benefits that we just haven't been able to scientifically prove yet, right? Do I think it's like doing a ton? Probably not. Um, Do I think it'll make you lose weight? No, I don't. Like I don't like... Is it possible that it makes like a negligible difference? Sure, of course that's possible. But like, I don't think any amount of like these little gimmicks and hacks outdo your diet at the end of the day. Like if you want to lose weight, it really and truly just comes down to your diet. Now, if you intuitively feel called to apple cider vinegar, I also don't think it's really going to harm you. I mean, like, is the acid a little bit bad for your teeth? Sure. But like, so long as it's diluted and you're not like swishing it around your mouth and then following that up by like abrasively brushing your teeth, it's probably going to be fine for your enamel. Like, I don't see a ton of evidence to suggest that, you know, you'd really have to be like going ham, just having like undiluted apple cider vinegar switching, swirling around your mouth all the time to like really damage your enamel. But like, what the fuck do I know? I just swallowed my tooth last night. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> no, but like, I don't think it's going to have a dramatic effect on your health one way or another. I did go through a phase um, not long ago. I think it was like this year or within a calendar year where I was like adding a lot of, not a lot, but like adding apple cider vinegar to my water. It just like kind of made it more palatable. And I just like felt really intuitively drawn to it. Like I was really enjoying drinking it. So if you have a similar experience, do it. Because I think no matter what, our bodies hold so much fucking wisdom that like no amount of double blind studies, no amount of like that fitness expert on Instagram, no amount of like some dumb bitch named Rain who like tells you about her 14 step morning routine can substitute. If you feel called to it for whatever reason, lean the fuck in, just do it, you know? But like, I don't think there's a ton of science to support that it's like aiding you in all these things. Now, if specifically what you're looking for is the digestion stimulation, I will say I think bitters may be better. <laughs> what a cute catchphrase. Um, so bitters, like basically bitter tastes stimulate digestive um, enzymes, juices, etc. And there are a lot of people that say that part of the reason why we have such severe gut health problems in modern day is because we've all but eliminated the bitter taste from our diet. Like we historically would eat a lot of bitter vegetables. And there are companies that make digestive bitters that you basically like spray onto your tongue like 
10 minutes before you eat. You're not supposed to drink anything afterwards. You're supposed to really taste the bitter taste and it literally will stimulate digestive juices. I used them for a bit and then I realized that I actually already had enough digestive juices and taking the bitters was actually overstimulating them for me and it caused a lot of bloating. So you really have to know who you are. I think a better approach actually is to just include some bitter vegetables in your diet, specifically radicio, radicio, radicio. Radicchio, radicchio, I think it's pronounced radicchio. Oh my God, look at me. You know what I'm talking about? The thing that looks like, um, like the traditional purple variety almost looks like a very small cabbage. Um, that's quite bitter. Frise can be quite bitter. Dandelion greens, excellent. Just an excellent detoxifier. Um, dandelion really increases elimination, both like in the urine and through the bowels. And it's just a great way to get stuff out of your system. Um, dandelion greens, include some of those in your diet. I mean, like rather than buying digestive bitters, what I would do if you're looking like for a boost in your digestion before meals, because this can't really backfire. Like when you extract it and you make a supplement out of it, there's an easy way to get too much. But in your diet, as so long as it's like whole plant foods, it's pretty hard to get too much of things. So if you can find dandelion greens or like radicchio, I think that's how it's pronounced. God, I should have looked it up. I completely forgot. Um, then I think your Gucci just do that. That would be my two cents. If you feel called to add a splash of apple cider vinegar to your water, if that'll make you drink more water, et cetera, then like by all means do it. Also with apple cider vinegar, I should say you want to look for organic and you want to look for it with the mother because that's like a properly digested. Uh, properly fermented apple cider vinegar. Um, but yeah, with the mother, that's like the probiotic rich. But like, do I think like adding a shot of apple cider vinegar to your like day-to-day routine with making like no other changes is going to be some kind of cure-all that's going to magically make you lose weight, magically make you do any number of things? No. I, th- I think it's extremely, extremely, extremely unlikely. Okay, I want to shift gears kind of abruptly. So I read this article the other day, and it really fucked with my head. This gynecologist said that the strangest thing that she has ever found inside of someone's vagina is, drumroll please, a cockroach. Now, when I read this I really just, it really fucked with my head and at very deep level. And I was like, oh, because I'm now enduring this, I have to make everyone else endure this also. So I'm going to read you some segments from this article. If you're watching on video, um, sorry that I pulled my phone out, but that's where I have the article. Okay, It's pulling up. Sorry. Gynecologist reveals the most horrific thing he's found while examining patient. Okay. Blah, blah, blah. Um, A gynecologist in Central America was shocked to discover a cockroach lurking inside a patient's vagina. The doctor frequently shares his most unusual or shocking cases with his 386 
thousand followers on TikTok. Okay, we're not gonna keep reading this. Um, he explained how the unnamed patient who lived in a rural part of the country arrived at his clinic extremely restless, agitated, and sweaty. She explained how she'd had trouble sleeping due to something, quote-unquote, extremely strange in her vagina. A subsequent inspection revealed the shocking culprit behind the woman's discomfort. When I introduced the speculum, I could see it was an insect. In fact, I had to take out something like a cockroach. Now, when I asked my mom, I was like, hey, mom, guess what the strangest thing this doctor found in someone's vagina was? She goes, a condom. I was like, well, that's not strange. That probably happens all the fucking time. Like, I I can't even imagine how often condoms must be just like loose in the vag. I mean, remember when I had garlic in my vagina? Imagine if I had gone to the doctor. Even that I don't think would be even close to the weird. I mean, a cockroach. Now, we do think the cockroach died, but how horrifying is that? Anyway, so I wanted to look into other things that um people find inside of their vaginas. So I found a list and I thought I'd read them to you. I have not read this list. So we're just, we're in this together. Okay. This article, by the way, came out in 2018. So it starts with 2017 was a tough year for vaginas. But while the rest of us were marveling at the idea of cucumber cleanses and sticking wasp nets, in our batch what the fuck um some people were skipping out were some people were out there skipping the trends and shoving whatever they fancied into their genitals instead data from emergency room visits pulled from the US Consumer Protection Safety Commission has revealed some of the strangest things doctors had to remove from vaginas in 2017 okay we're just going to read the list scented soap Some of these are in bold and I don't know why. Oh, I think every other one is in bold. Okay. Scented soap. Don't put anything scented in your vagina ever. And that includes lube. Deodorant cap. Deodorant cap. Someone took the cap off the deodorant and put it inside of their vagina. Why? Bottle cap. What is it with caps? Why are people putting caps inside of their vaginas? Okay. Penis ring with spikes on it. That makes sense. I understand. Silicone balls. What the fuck are silicone balls? What the fuck is that? A ball. Okay, cool. Bike reflector. I actually don't know what that is because I don't know how to ride a bike. Fun fact about me. I did learn as a kid and all I have to say about that is like, it's not like riding a bike. Like if what we mean by that expression it's like riding a bike is like, oh, you'll never be able to do it again. Then, okay, that is an accurate expression. But like as a like as a euphemism for uh, even though you haven't done it for a long time, you'll still be able to do it. In my experience, that is not true. A bitch can no longer ride a bike. I did learn as a kid. I didn't do it for a whole lot because I have a lot of balance issues. Like I'm not good at staying balanced. That's why I do core exercises so much so that I don't like topple over like a goddamn idiot. Okay, moving right along. A sponge. In parentheses, it says the patient said she was on her period and inserted a sponge into the vagina so she could swim. This isn't wise. Use a tampon or a menstrual cup instead. Yeah, as a general concept, I would say like 
products that are not made to go inside the vagina probably should not go inside the vagina. Um, clay? The fuck is clay? What do they mean by clay? I don't even understand. Okay, moving right along. Headphones. Oh, oh, okay. Like maybe she just wanted to play some music for her vagina. (laughs) A phone and money. No. The patient was having sex with her boyfriend when he put a phone and cash into her vagina. Okay, I'm sorry. I thought this was going to end in she was trying to use her vagina as a purse. Like, you know, like, have you ever used, like, your tits as a purse? Like, back when I used to wear bras, I used to store shit in my tits all the fucking time. But, um, okay. Okay. A candlestick. I have no words. A lollipop. I weirdly understand this more. 15 stone balls. In parentheses, the patient was using erythral urethral vaginal stone balls the string holding the balls together dissolved and she could only retrieve 14 balls what the fuck are urethral vaginal stone balls also the urethra and the vagina are different and like no one's putting shit inside their urethra so i don't even fucking understand what's happening here um sorry 15 stone balls, but this parenthesis ends in the string holding it together and she could only retrieve 14 balls. So what, were there 30 balls originally and she could pull, or were there 29 balls originally? She could only retrieve 14 and that left 15 left over? Or do they mean the 15th ball? I, I Again, I don't even understand what the fuck these stone balls are. So it doesn't even make sense to me. Like, I don't even understand what's happening. But okay, I guess we'll just like move right along. A toy wand. That makes sense. I'm shocked that there aren't more condoms on this list. I'm shocked that there aren't more like sex toys on this list. I'm shocked the garlic isn't on this list because a bitch can't be the only one who ever did this. And what else am I not shocked? Or am I shocked there isn't more of on this list? Oh, drugs. I mean, like, what a great place to hide drugs if you want to hide drugs. Like, people generally are not going to go searching inside of your vagina. Am I telling you to do this? No, do not do this. In fact, I would say just don't do drugs in general. Like, that's how we can solve the drugs inside vagina problem. But I'm shocked that it's not a more frequent occurrence on the pod. I have hidden things inside of my underwear before. Not, like, inside of my vagina. But um, one time when I was like much younger and, you know, just like into like recreational fun. Um, we went to a show and I put a bag of Molly inside my panties, um, to like get inside, get through security. And then I forgot that it was there. And then I went to pee and it fell in the toilet. So if you do do that, make sure to check inside of the toilet or whatever. I don't know. Like, let's just not do drugs and therefore eliminate that problem. Um, And as a general rule and just something from personal experience, don't 
put things inside of your vagina that are not tethered to the outside world. So like a tampon with a string, excellent, beautiful, because like there's a string that's tethering it to the outside world. Although apparently that one bitch like lost those, um, what was it, stone balls inside of her vagina because the string disintegrated. If disintegrated... If you know what the fuck a urethral vaginal stone ball is, please hit a girl up because I have no idea. And like I said, I I wanted to leave my reactions to this list fresh. So I found the article, but I never read through it to do some research because like she is a journalist, like Peabody Award coming soon. But um, but yeah, I have no fucking clue. And like, yeah, just don't put things that aren't like like a like a menstrual cup has something that tethers it to the outside world. Um, a sex toy, you don't just like fully insert it and let your vagina like swallow it whole, right? Like it's part of the toy stays outside of your body. Penis attached to a man who the rest of his body is outside of your body, a finger attached to a human the rest of the body is outside of the body. Like, so long as there's something that is attached to the outside world, that's great. That's beautiful. That's stunning. Put whatever the fuck you want in there other than like high sugary things. Cause that really is just asking for a yeast infection, if not more. So don't do that. Um, I'm very anti like food and sex mixing. It just really feels like asking for a yeast infection, but that's neither here nor there. But like if your vagina can swallow to hold, do not put it in. Do not put it in. And that is coming from personal experience as someone who had garlic stuck inside of her vagina. And if you want to hear that story, listen to the first like 10 minutes of episode seven of the Blush podcast. Um, It's the seventh episode. It's marked with a seven. So you will be able to find it. Okay. Moving right along. I do want to hit Vanderpump Rules real quick for like three seconds. So I think that we are spending a tremendous amount of time and energy on hating Raquel. And here's the thing. I understand it. Like what she did was truly, truly awful. And what I'm saying is not like minimizing or dismissing what she did at all, at all. The only thing I want to say is like, instead of spending so much energy on hating on Raquel, maybe, maybe like if you are someone who's just like filled with hatred towards Raquel and like you just like keep talking about it and thinking about it, maybe you could go internal and see like, ask yourself, like, have I ever prioritized my relationship with a man or a woman, my romantic relationship at the expense of a friend or would I have I had I had the opportunity to prioritize romance over other things? Would I have done it? And it doesn't have to be as bad as what she did, but like if you're having kind of an extreme reaction and constantly hating on her, I would be very curious to know where in your past you've done something like that or where in your present you're doing something like that or where you have the propensity to prioritize romance over other types of relationships and that is what you're reacting to. It's that thing within yourself that you don't like about yourself. Like what I think we should be way more concerned about isn't what actually happened, but like what caused Raquel to make these poor choices? Like this could be an anthropological study. What caused Raquel to do this 
awful, awful, awful thing because something did. And if Raquel did it, other people did it, do it, do it all the time and will do it. And what could be a lot more interesting and could actually yield to results isn't like Raquel did this awful thing. Let's like demonize her and drag her through the mud and talk about how awful she is and pull her apart in every single way. Because like, how does that actually help you? How does that make the world better in any way? All we're doing is filling the world with more hatred. What is far more interesting is what causes this type of behavior and how can we prevent it in the future? So that's just my two cents on Raquel and the whole thing. Yada, yada, yada. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So the other day, I was so fucking busy with work, like so busy with work. And it was sunny and like really beautiful out. And I really wanted to go for a walk. And then I looked up the weather and I realized the next day was not going to be sunny. So I was like, okay, let me just like take a fucking break from work and just go for a walk and enjoy the sunshine because like it's not supposed to be sunny tomorrow. So like may as well get it in while I can. Right. And so I'm out for a walk. I'm walking around and it's so beautiful and it just like feels so good to be out walking in the sunshine. And I had this one moment where I was like, I wish I didn't have so much work today so that I could just like keep walking in the sunshine. And then I was like, wait, a few years ago, I had all the time. I would just like walk for hours because like basically I was like kind of quitting law 
and um, had no idea what the fuck I was going to do. And it took a while for like my work stuff to come together, like a while, a while. Right. And so I'd all the time I'd walk around all the time. But all I wanted was to be busy with work. And then I like really thought about it. And it hit me four years ago. I was borderline jobless. I was single. I barely had any friends. And the ones I had were really not adding to my life in any way. I was having breakdowns left and right. I was really like bordering on suicidal, to be completely honest. I felt like such a profound sense of loneliness and disconnection from the world. And I really spent a lot of my time like disassociating and just like fantasizing about my ideal life. Fast forward to today, I live in a stunning, stunning apartment. I'm in a deep, committed relationship with a person who I would describe as just like a drop of sunshine on this planet. I'm in a relationship that I'm equally excited by and soothed by. I laugh more than I've ever laughed in my entire life. I never feel like my emotions are running the show. I feel like I'm actually living. I spend my days doing things that I love and that align with who I authentically am on a soul level. I have friends who get me, who I can talk about anything with, who I never feel pressured by, who I never am annoyed by, who are just who are just salt of the earth, like well-aligned people. And really, like, not to be really fucking cheesy, but I'm living kind of like my literal fantasies from four years ago. And here's how I got here. The first thing that I did was a lot of inner child work. And by the way, these five things that I'm about to share really are in no particular order. They're just the five pillars of what really and truly helped me get to this place because I want everyone else to really be able to live, live out your wildest fantasies and like Listen, it's an ever-moving goal, right? Like, I'm currently living my fantasies from four years ago, but do I have, like, other dreams and hopes and goals now? Of course that I'm going to hit. But I do want to take a moment to reflect on the fact that I've hit everything that I wanted four years ago and more. And these are the five pillars that got me here. So the first pillar, inner child work. And by that, I mean... I went through my entire childhood and pulled out every memory that was activating and I reprocessed it. So what do I mean by that? Like, let's say, um, okay, here's a memory. Uh, It's like such a like vague, unclear memory. But when I first started, um, we called it preschool but I think you guys call it kindergarten. So in Germany, we called like we did kindergarten first, then preschool. Preschool is the year before first grade. And then first grade is first grade, right? I think it's opposite in America. I don't know. Anyway, I went to a German kindergarten and then my family transferred schools 
for my preschool year. I went to the international school where we were taught in English, yada, yada. So when I started kindergarten, I knew like zero German. I only knew Farsi. And I get there and um, it was really traumatic for many reasons. Not even get it. Not even going to get into that. We're just going to move right along to preschool. So preschool, I'm like, oh, finally, I like know the fucking language. But I get there and we're taught in English at the international school. So again, I didn't know the language. And I just I have this like memory of looking around the room. Everyone knew each other because everyone at that school had done kindergarten together. So I was like the new kid in the school. And there were these two girls and they're like playing with each other. And like, I didn't understand the language and I didn't know what was happening. And I just felt so isolated and removed and like uncool and things like that. Right. That's a form of trauma. Nothing major happened. Like, you know, there's no like form of assault or like abuse or anything like that. No one's at fault, but it is a traumatic memory. So I go in, in like a deep hypnotic state and I use like trauma reprocessing tools. I use a lot of like tools from EMDR, like bilateral stimulation, things like that, to take the intensity of that experience away. Now, I still remember the experience. It's not like it actually disappeared from my memory, but it no longer has an emotional charge. It's no longer running the show. So I'm no longer calling in experiences that remind me of that. Whereas like for a long time, based on that experience, my brain was like, okay, like what I know, what I'm actually familiar with is feeling other, feeling removed, feeling different. And so our brains will always prioritize experiences that it knows versus things it doesn't know. Even if the thing that it knows is an unpleasant thing, because it's one of those like the devil you know types of things, right? The brain is like, okay, I've already experienced this. I didn't like it, but a new thing could be far worse. So I will seek out this thing that I already know. So for my entire life, I was subconsciously, completely unconsciously, without me even knowing finding opportunities where my brain could confirm that I feel different, I feel other, I feel whatever, estranged, whatever you want to call it, right? That's just the way the brain works. But when you reprocess the trauma from an experience, then your brain is no longer looping on that, right? So I went through for every childhood memory and like adolescent memory that felt traumatic. And I did this reprocessing. So like my parents fighting, um, breakups, um, being ostracized at school, all of these things, I went through and reprocessed it. And then... I go, and by the way, I continue to do this because like things keep popping up, right? When you first start doing this work, it's like the biggest, the most intense, most traumatic memories. Like the very first thing that I ever did trauma reprocessing work on, um, I will never forget this, was not even a child, I mean, early childhood thing. I was 19. I was dating this guy who that entire relationship ended up being so traumatic. But the first time we slept together, when I got naked, he looked at my vulva and he was like, damn girl, and like made a comment about how my vulva looked like and not in a good way. Like he was like startled or shocked or whatever by the way that my labia looked. 
and the way that this affected me. So like the very first time I did this, it was um, probably like in an inner child workshop or something run by To Be Magnetic by Lacey Phillips. Like that's how, that's where I had like the deepest, most intense, like real, truly like trauma healing inner child work. That's the first memory that came up for me. Like clearly that was like something that was just there, like rattling around, bothering me all the time, but I like not on a conscious level. But then as you keep doing this work, now it's like I'm reaching more and more minor things, right? Like that kindergarten thing was like the third or fourth time or like maybe the hundredth time that I was doing inner child work. But anyway, you just keep going. It's it's a never-ending cycle in some way. Um, but I do inner child work constantly. And once I kind of go through everything that is like activating, like an activating memory, a memory that like makes your heart race faster, that makes you kind of like gasp or you don't want to think about it or you don't want to talk about it, right? Once I go through those types of memories, then what I do in inner child work is I visualize a new childhood where I got everything that I needed. And everything that I needed is a very vague term. It changes all the time. So like my first time doing this, I think I visualized parents or like a childhood where I was really open and honest with my parents and I could talk to them about boys and they could give me boy advice and I could talk to them about sex. And like, we just had that like very open dialogue. I've done rounds of inner child work where I visualized having like really rich parents. I've done rounds of uh, inner child work where I visualized having a lot of siblings. Um, I've done rounds of inner child work where I just had parents who like really let me like run around the neighborhood with neighborhood friends and I had a lot of neighborhood friends. Uh, I've done rounds of inner child work where the focus was on the relationship between my parents. And by the way, when I do this, I don't necessarily picture the parents that I actually had. I pick out the parents that I need in that moment. I'm actually in the middle of a round of inner child work where um this is kind of weird, but um, Lala Kent from Vanderpump Rules is like my mother. And my father is this guy from um, Sweet Magnolias, <laughs> that like really cheesy Netflix show. There's a guy like the love interest for the main character. He looks like him, but his personality is actually like a tech guy like he's like a tech CEO and he's like really into health and wellness but also super and both my parents are super successful and they're on the stage all the time and things like that and the reason that I visualize these parents is because that's what I need in this go around like I want parents who are really sex positive really open like I want a mom who's like more loud and like says crazy shit and like parents that are really good looking and really support each other so like at every little step of the way or like every iteration of inner child work, I look at like, okay, like what's still coming up and what do I need at this given moment? So like I've done it a lot with the TBM work, but also like if you're a Blush Academy member, 
it's really focused on inner child work and it's the same type of work. Now, in within the Blush Academy, I focus the inner child work on how it's going to lead to you not having attachment wounds, being able to be in healthy, secure relationships and things like that. So it is like kind of more focused on that. But um, but yeah, it is a really good resource for doing this type of inner child work. The second pillar for what really helped transform my life these past years is radical self-honesty and not like, oh, don't lie to yourself, be honest with yourself, whatever. I'm talking radical self-honesty. And this is probably the single most important thing. And it is also where I see people really fail on the wellness journey. Where I see people on the wellness journeys fail. So sorry. I even tried to do like um, vocal exercises today so that I would stumble over my words less. But here we are. It is what it is. And honestly, like with the video, it's a new thing. I'm pushing myself out of my comfort zone. So it's a little bit harder. You know, you know how it is. Okay. Here's the thing. You can drink all the celery juice. You can do all of the 5 a.m. hot yoga sessions that you want. But if you are not being radically honest with yourself, you will continue to be toxic. So what do I mean by radical self-honesty? It's like every time something triggers me, even minor, I acknowledge it. I flag it and I look into why. If I don't like someone, even if I have valid reason for not liking them, I think, okay, how is this person reflecting traits within myself that I don't like? Um, A big thing for me was like when I was dating, when I started to be honest with myself about like, oh no, I'm not this like chill, easygoing kind of bitch. Like, no, I actually care about all these things and being honest about those things, being honest about my real feelings, being honest about my actual intentions. Um, A good example of like where this transformed my life is you know, when I started dating Ozzy, also, if you're a new listener, Ozzy is what we call my boyfriend. Um, his name is not Ozzy. He is Australian. It's just a nickname for podcast purposes, I guess. Although when I was first dating him, I mean, you guys do this, right? Like if you're like dating around and dating a bunch of people, like you have nicknames for them, for your friends, right? Like you're not out here being like Steve did this, Mike did that, Sally did that, right? It's like, you know, Blondie or <laughs> Ozzy or whatever. You get the vibe. Sometimes the nicknames are not as great. Like, um, there was a guy that I referred to as Ted Bundy and that was kind of a wake up call for me where I was like, okay, if I'm giving this guy the nickname Ted Bundy, maybe, maybe, maybe I should stop dating him. Like if he's giving me Ted Bundy vibes, mm. (laughs) okay. But, um, but yeah, I remember like the first time around that I was dating Ozzy. So like, 
Ozzy and I started, like we went on our first date the Sunday after Thanksgiving in 2020. We kept seeing each other until he went back to Australia in like mid-January of 2021. And then we kind of fell out of touch. I started dating this other Ivan guy. And then he came back to New York and him and I weren't really like talking or seeing each other because I was still dating Van guy. And then I broke up with the Van guy and we started hanging out just as friends and then like got in an actual relationship and we've been together ever since. So that's since like the beginning of the summer in 2021. Okay. So the first time around when we were dating, um, late 2020 for a few months, I, I remember after our first date, I was obsessed with him. I liked him so much, but I started like, I was like, oh, it's not going to be a serious thing. Like he's going back to Australia in a few months, like what, whatever, it's going to be casual. It's going to be chill. It's going to be fun. Like whatever. I was lying to myself and then I was carrying over those lies and how I was interacting with him. So like, I wasn't like showing up as someone who like really wanted a serious relationship. I was playing it cool. I was playing it down and I was doing all of these things with my myself also like I was not being honest with myself about my real feelings and my intentions and guess what like we fell out of touch when he went back to Australia and then like when he came back and I broke up with Van guy and we started hanging out again again just platonically but I remember that very first time we hung out again he's like you know I'm sorry that like I wasn't as communicative when I went back to Australia like I don't want to use it as a cop-out or excuse I was going through a lot of personal shit and I was like honestly It's whatever, because at the end of the day, like I was playing such gnarly games with you. Like I was so into you and I like was like playing all these games. And he's like, I really like couldn't tell if you were into me and playing games or like if you just like weren't that into it. Like I honestly was not sure. And there was part of me that like thought and hoped that maybe you were playing games, but I really was unsure. And I was like, no, I like wasn't showing up fully authentically. But like by then I'd like really worked through all of those childhood wounds that were causing all of the anxious attachment and really more like disorganized, fearful avoidance. But that's neither here nor there. It was the anxious patterning that was causing me to play all those games. It's a very common thing with anxious attachment to like play games and play it cool and like all those things, right? I'd worked through all that shit. So I had no problem like showing up as my full authentic self and showing up as someone like being honest about the fact that I was like really into him and all those things and everything changed. Like that is what made us be in a relationship. And that's what makes our relationship continue to be good. Anytime I like have even a moment of insecurity, I'm fully honest with myself about it and I dig into it and then I communicate it and we can work through it. Like if you are not fully radically honest with yourself, you're not going to have the types of friendships that you want. You're not going to have the types of romantic relationships that you want. And your career will always be stagnant. Like maybe there will be incremental things that improve, but you will never have that type of like fully fulfilling relationship. You're never going to have those types of like fully fulfilling friendships. Like it's just not going to work because you have to be radically honest with yourself to avoid conflict. Like you have to be radically honest with yourself to be able to achieve 
the things that you want to achieve because it's so much easier to lie to ourselves, but that's really what keeps you stuck and that's really what keeps you stagnant. Okay, so the other three pillars are actually a bit time consuming to go through and like we are really approaching that one hour mark. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to save the other three pillars for next week's episode. We'll do a part one and a part two. Um, that way I can like really do them justice without making this episode be like two and a half, three hours. And, um, yeah, we're going to do a deep dive into them. There's so much good information. Like you really, really do not want to miss this. And like, honestly, in a way, I think it's better to split it this way because, These two pillars are very heavy and very loaded. And I really want you to like truly reflect on them, like reflect on like, where am I not being honest with myself about my intentions? Like, where am I acting like it's one thing where it's actually deep down another thing? Like where, like when you are triggered by someone else, when you're activated by someone else, even if you're like fucking watching reality TV and you're like, I don't like this bitch, ask yourself why and ask yourself like, what do I see in them that either like I see in myself and I know I don't like, or it's the polar opposite, right? Like you watch someone do something on TV and you're like, ugh. like I used to get this a lot. Like I would watch reality TV and be like, she's so needy. Like she's so annoying. She's so emotional. And these were all things that I was like repressing in myself. Like they were there, but I could not consciously accept that they were there. Like I wanted to be so chill and so easygoing and so like whatever. And so I always repress these traits within myself. Like if you were to ask me, I'd be like, I'm so not like that, but I actually was like that. I was just in denial. So homework for the week, really dig into every little thing that comes up. If you're watching TV and you don't like a character, ask yourself like, what traits am I seeing in this character? And like, are these traits that like I know I possess and I don't like in myself? Or are these traits that like I'm so deeply in denial about in myself and that's what's triggering me? This kind of goes back to the Raquel thing. Like those of us that are having extreme reactions to Raquel, see what elements of Raquel, it doesn't have to be as extreme as what Raquel did, like fucking your like best friend's partner of 10 years. It doesn't have to be that severity, but there is some element of Raquel that you're seeing in yourself and that's why you're having that extreme reaction. And then start looking at like, what are the most activating memories from my childhood and finding a way to work through them. Again, like the tools within Blush Academy are a really great way to do that, especially if like what you're dealing with is like attachment and relationship issues. I personally use TBM and then I used like the tools that I used, learned from TBM and adapted them to the more relationship and um, attachment context. And that's really what I teach now within the Blush Academy. Whatever resources you find, but like really get into that subconscious mind and clear that gunk out. And you will get the other three pillars of how I transformed my life over the past four years to like really be living what is like low-key my wildest fantasies <laughs> today, like not to brag, but like like a bitch transformed her life. And I want you guys to do the same.
Anyway, love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. You'll get those other three pillars next week. So definitely tune in. Um, if you learned something, if you enjoyed this episode, please, please, please leave a five-star review. It helps the show so much and share it with people you think would benefit from it. Put it in your Instagram stories. I love when you guys put it in your Instagram stories. It's such a great way to share the episode with other people so that we can all grow and improve together because what's that expression about tides and ships? Like when I don't know how the expression goes, but I believe the premise of it is like rising tides, rise all ships. It's something like that, right? Like when the tide goes up, everyone's ship goes up. It, the idea is when we improve, we all improve. Okay. Seriously. Thank you so much for tuning in. Love you guys. Um, we'll do the other three pillars and I'm sure some kind of nonsense next week. Um, maybe I'll have some kind of tooth update. I'm hoping I don't eat the rest of my body parts over the next, this next week. Okay. Love you guys. Bye.